Word, I'm gonna say the word. In the beginning was the word. What? Word. 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 Was the word. From the studios of KJZZ in Phoenix, Arizona, welcome to Word, a podcast about literature in Arizona and the region. Here's your host, Tom Maxidon. Coming up on this episode of Word, we go from rim to river with a deeply researched collection of essays by a former Arizona Republic writer who hiked the Arizona National Scenic Trail and who will also be at the upcoming Tucson Festival of Books this weekend. A new place and a fresh chance. That's what Arizona has always stood for. And poetry on vinyl? Yep, we'll talk to a local musician and poet about the project. The demand for vinyl has been really increasing every year lately. There's only so many factories that can actually press vinyl. Plus, the annual KJZZ Haiku Writing Contest comes to a close. We asked you to write a poem about something you wanted to reset in your life. We'll talk to the randomly selected winner. But first, a student from the Valley has advanced to the English Speaking Union's National Shakespeare Competition, which happens Thursday in New York City. Clara Newton is a senior at Basha High School and recently placed first in a state regional recitation tournament that's associated with Southwest Shakespeare Company based in Mesa. She's an Arizona native who says being a huge theater nerd and lover of improvisational acting helped propel her interest in the Bard. I'm the president of my improv club, the president of the theater club. Just, I, I love it all, honestly. Yeah, I love improvisation. I think it's been helpful in my own career, but I think just in general day-to-day dynamics between people, I think improvisation can be very helpful for many reasons, but uh, particularly in this business, journalism, when you often have to think quickly on your feet, I think that's a skill that helps. What have you learned from the art of improvisation? Oh, man, just so much. Like, as you were saying, like, in day-to-day life, just thinking on your feet. And a lot of it is reading other people as well and learning how to trust your team. Like, you really have to walk on stage and trust that if the scene dies, your teammate will come and um, revive the scene. It's very metaphorical for, like, day-to-day life to rely on other people and it's got to put a lot of trust into others for that. Certainly, William Shakespeare was a master of metaphor, and I'm curious how long you've been interested in his plays and what got you motivated to be interested. The first Shakespeare play I ever did was in seventh grade. My school put on A Midsummer Night's Dream, and I was really interested in auditioning. And, you know, they just had us read monologues and my director was like, all right, now do this in rock and roll. So I like, <laughs> I slid on the carpet, got rug burn on both my knees. And then, well, I got puck. And that was just such a fun role to play. And I remember at the end of one of my performances, uh, an adult came up to me and she was like, you know, with you, I really like that I could understand what you're saying, even though I don't understand Shakespeare. And that just like really stuck with me. And I just, I love Shakespeare because it feels like you're learning like a secret language. Like, it's awesome. 
Well, that's very well said. And it's paid off because you are part of a narrow group of people that are involved in a national contest for recitation of Shakespeare's words. Tell us a little bit about the contest, who sponsors it, and briefly about your road to the semifinals, which is coming up here very soon on March 2nd in New York City. The ESU, the English-speaking union, I think it stands for, they put on this monologue and sonnet competition. And in my area, Southwest Shakespeare runs it. So they send the invite out to a bunch of schools and each school has to send one of their winners. So my theater teacher had an audition in my class and I advanced to that regional competition. So now that I'm the winner of that, we go to New York and compete in the semifinals. And then the final competition is the top 10 people. So that's exciting. We'll get to your choice here in just a sec. You mentioned A Midsummer Night's Dream. Do you prefer Shakespeare's histories, comedies, or tragedies? Because that is typically the division line for folks who are categorizing his plays. That is such a difficult question. I'm least familiar with the histories, and I think most people aren't as familiar with them, but I'm a huge history nerd. The tragedies are iconic. I love Shakespeare's portrayal of like love, grief, insanity, et cetera. But I think my favorite to perform are comedies because there's just something so rewarding about making the audience laugh. And I feel like it's easiest to understand. For sure. And how would you describe the category of Twelfth Night, which is the play that you chose for your recitation contest? I definitely categorize it as a comedy. I recently borrowed the DVD of Twelfth Night from my theater teacher, and it's an all-male production, which is authentic to how it was actually played in Shakespeare's time. And it is hilarious. Like they just start singing at random times and I don't know, their physicality is just amazing. So definitely a comedy. And your performance is what advanced you so far. It is from the monologue known as Viola's Ring. Do I have that correct in the Twelfth Night? Yes. And what attracted you to that particular monologue? Because, my goodness, there are so many monologues uh, throughout Shakespeare, right? so many. (laughs) Yeah, so ESU provides a selection of 260 monologues that you have to choose from. And I scrolled through every single one, and I was like, oh, that could be cool, that could be fun. And the one that clicked with me, of course, is the 260th one. That was the 12th (laughs) night. So... I read it and it checked the boxes. I'm like, okay, I could do pantomime with this. It has a lot of conflicting emotions and it's hilarious, but I didn't really know much about the 12th night. So I researched it a bit and I found that the concept is just so interesting. It's about Viola. She's a woman, but she disguises herself as a man and serves this other man and she ends up falling in love with him and he falls in love with this other girl and this girl falls in love with her and it's just hilarious how the love triangle unfolds. 
certainly no one can accuse you of not doing your due diligence in terms of character studies with 260 (laughs) choices and making your way through all of those. That is a heck of a lot of work. And I know folks are proud of you, including your teachers and your parents. And certainly the state is as well in this region. Clara Newton, I want to thank you so much for coming to Word and best of luck on the contest. Yeah, thank you so much for having me. You can find out a bit more about the English Speaking Union's National Shakespeare Competition on our website, word.kjzz.org. Coming up, we take a metaphorical journey along the Arizona National Scenic Trail. I'm Tom Maxidon, and you're listening to Word. It's a podcast about literature in Arizona and the region. Sure, KJZZ's Morning Edition covers the news, but you also hear analysis, music, economics, and science. Listen every morning and start the day off right. It's Morning Edition from 5 until 9 on KJZZ, on air, online, and on your phone. Every day, you listen to KJZZ for fact-based news, and here's a way to help ensure that the news will stay on the air. When you buy a new car, donate your old one to KJZZ. We'll take care of the details. More information at cars.kjzz.org. Welcome back to Word. I'm Tom Maxidon. Former Arizona Republic writer Tom Zollner has authored a collection of essays called Rim to River. It's about his journey along the Arizona National Scenic Trail. He'll be at the Tucson Festival of Books this weekend, which features writers from all over the country and the state. Zollner grew up in Phoenix and Tucson, but he began this book by describing that he never felt his surroundings were real in some nameless way. But what did he mean by that statement? Arizona's a new state when it comes to the built environment, and so much of what we see around us is according to post-World War II ideas about how folks should live, which involve the tent poles, if you like, of the freeway, the shopping center, the uh, the airport, and uh, the detached ranch home. And, you know, this is a model of living which is quite different from what America had been before. And for me, growing up in the 1970s, it had a sense of unreality about it, a place that wasn't quite uh, settled, that was not quite itself, uh, and wasn't quite real. And you contend that statement even with what folks might be familiar with in terms of watching old westerns. Yeah, I mean, the irony is, of course, that Arizona is an incredibly real place when it comes to the natural environment, the 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 hardships, the aridity, the uh, the isolation. Uh, Almost nothing can be more real. But yet, uh, the the builders of modern Anglo-Arizona set out to create uh, a garden spot through the manipulation of water, through uh, the railroads and the airplanes. And, you know, what you have is is, is uh, kind of a, a, a unique environment. It can be criticized, as I do, but also one that can be celebrated. Well, speaking of water, your new book, Rim to River, Looking into the Heart of Arizona, is out. And it's been said of your writing in this book that it does for Arizona what Larry McMurtry did for Texas in his collection of essays, In a Narrow Grave. Your book begins in the high country and winds up at the Mexican border. And I think it would be easy for some not completely familiar with geography to think that's because you wanted to start at a peak and hike downhill. (laughs) But of course, there's several ups and downs so to speak, from the northern terminus of the Arizona Trail to the border. But how did you choose your starting point? 
it was sort of chosen for me because of uh, the Arizona Trail, which was uh, blazed, to, to use the dramatic term, by a Flagstaff uh, schoolteacher named Dale Shewalter, who took it as a, uh, a labor of love to connect uh, a bunch of cattle tracks and National Forest Service trails, fire roads, um, and even some new uh, right-of-ways to link uh, the state of Arizona in one continuous journey, a kind of a um, uh, Appalachian Trail of the Southwest. And that was the route that I mainly followed. I got off of it a few times, but uh, for the most part, um, it really gives you a, a kaleidoscopic view uh, of the state, the, the the highs and lows. And, you know, you mentioned the title of the book, uh, you know, Arizonans will recognize that as a, a Grand Canyon term, that uh, when you start at the top of the Bright Angel Trail and go down to the Colorado River, that's a rim to river. And, it was meant, the title, as uh, kind of uh, taking inventory uh, of the state, giving it a, a, a total survey. Arizona has a rich history, as we've already alluded to, but how much about the state did you know before setting out on your journey? And then while you're you're taking your journey, because I don't want to call it a hike, it's far more than a hike, how much time did you set aside to record your observations? Was that important for you to have a kind of a daily word count, if you will, in a diary or something? Certainly. I mean, the uh, I started out quite confidently thinking, well, you know, my family's been in Arizona since practically it was a state and five generations of us. We came out here to farm cotton and, you know, I was educated here and I worked for the Arizona Republic and I, by God, I know Arizona. And you know what? I really didn't. Um, there's so many aspects to this uh, state which endlessly unfolds. Um, before the uh, the the, the viewer uh, portions that uh, I hadn't even considered, the book is a collection of essays, really uh, seventeen of them, that uh, tries to give an account of Arizona. It's a literary tradition, its history of violence, border crossing, the 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 unique cuisine, the music, the politics, uh, all that. And uh, this is one of those subjects that uh, the more you know, the less you know, and the more you want to know. I was curious why you decided to exclude photography from the book. Was that a conscious decision or something that you put together uh, with your publisher? That is a great question. Arizona is a uh, promiscuously photographed state. Uh, Arizona Highways, of course, is one of the best magazines ever put out by a state government that uh, displays the splendor of the state in photographic terms. I'm not a very good photographer, and uh, I just sort of think in terms of, of words and uh, there have been enough photographic um, treatments of Arizona, beautiful photographic treatments, that I just didn't think we could add very much to that admirable canon. I'm a lover of essay, and I know that folks who are lovers of that form will enjoy this book, Rim to River. I think those who are really familiar with Arizona are going to learn something, as you did. And likewise, those who are not are going to learn so much by reading this book. If there were some takeaways that you could give folks who don't really know anything about Arizona except what they might have seen in those John Ford films and, and others, for instance, what are some of those takeaways you'd like for them to have when they finish? If it could be summed up, it would be aridity, that is dryness. The desert landscapes you see in John Ford films, that is a defining characteristic of Arizona. There's the disconnection, the social disconnection that I think 
makes this a really imperfect place to live, the way that neighborhoods are not cohesive, that folks uh, don't really know their neighbors the way they should because of our, um, you know, massive influx of newcomers. Um, but also the, the the yearning for a better place that I think characterizes those who who come here um, from all races and backgrounds, a yearning for uh, a, a new place and a fresh chance. That's what Arizona has always stood for. Tom, thank you so much for coming to Weird and sharing your perspective about your new book, Rim to River, Looking into the Heart of Arizona. I appreciate it. It's been a pleasure. Thank you. You can find out a bit more about Tom Zollner and the upcoming Tucson Festival of Books on our website, word.kjzz.org. Coming up, poetry and vinyl? Yep, that's right. And we'll talk to a local musician and poet about the project. I'm Tom Maxidon, and you're listening to Word. It's a podcast about literature in Arizona and the region. Hey, it's Tiara. On All Things Considered, from KJZZ News and NPR, we hit pause on the news cycle for you, so you can get a handle on what you need to know and why it matters. Listen every afternoon from 3 until 6, on air, online, and on your phone. Whether your business is new or deeply rooted, large or small, you can share what's great about it while supporting a vital community service, KJZZ. It's a fact that listeners trust and support companies that sponsor KJZZ, and by becoming a sponsor, you build a stronger connection to everyone in your community. Get connected today at SponsorKJZZ.org. Welcome back to Word. I'm Tom Axedon. Some music aficionados will tell you vinyl records never went away, and that format is just experiencing a resurgence. Well, we welcome back Phoenix-based poet and musician Shantae O'Ryan, whom we first talked to almost two years ago when he released Gravity and Spectacle, a collection of his poems and photos by Gia Oak Baker. He has another collaboration, but this time it's a seven-inch vinyl effort called Split. The record features some of Orion's poetry, underscored by musician Robbie Cohen on one side, and music by former Valley resident Rocky Yazzie's band, Sweat Lodge, on the other. They released the project last weekend. Just prior to that, I caught up with Orion to discuss it and how his partnership with Yazzie came to fruition. We've known each other for a while. We met at work, actually. We started working together, and then we realized we had all this different music and art in common and he hadn't even formed a band yet and then just slowly like we both started like building our separate artistic identities he formed a band called skinwalkers and they started playing a lot and occasionally we would do stuff together then when he left for san francisco when his band would come tour through here sometimes he would have me read poetry in the lineup opening up in between some of these punk bands so we kept in touch over the years. That's really cool because, I mean, it's not often that you would find poetry and most music sets together. I'm not trying to say that poets don't run in the same sphere, but that's not often a kind of pairing that you see. So that's really cool. How would you describe the music of Sweat Lodge? They kind of describe themselves as kind of post-punk, indie, queer, Navajo rock, skate rock. All, all those kind of terms that some of the scenes that they would tend to play in. That's interesting. That's hard to fit in a log line in terms of if I'm a promoter, right? But that's really cool. Yes, exactly. 
in situations like that, I, I just tell people, just put the record on and listen to it. And, you know, if you like it, you like it, right? Let's not exactly. mess around with trying to define everything all the time. Exactly. Yeah, same with poetry. You know, I never care how anyone introduces me in a bio or anything. It's like Once I start reading, they're going to figure out in 30 seconds, you know, how much they like me or not. <laughs> and so, you know, we always kind of look forward to, you're trying to win over an audience that maybe isn't there to to see or hear you. You bring up a good point, of course, about people's attention spans. And I would say in many cases, you're lucky if you even get 30 seconds. But you have a handful of poems uh, recorded and arranged by Valley musician Robbie Cohen on this vinyl record. And we'll get to those in a sec. But I'm really curious about the process of how this started from the idea stage for a record and then taking it to completion at the costs that are involved. Because I got to believe, even though vinyl records are coming back in vogue, and I'm talking about new ones. I mean, I was just at a big box store the other day and saw reissues of Beatle albums. And I'm like, what is going on? The beginnings of the idea was actually from Rocky a long time ago. He suggested it because a lot of indie bands will do these split seven-inch records with one band on one side, the other on the other side. It's a good way to try to introduce your music, you know, to different demographics. And he suggested that we do one sometime. And, you know, this is one of those crazy ideas that we always toss around and probably never going to make it happen. But then right. right after the beginning of the pandemic, for some reason, the Arizona Commission on the Arts reached out to me. It, you know, they selected a small group of people that maybe hadn't ever gotten artistic grants through the agencies here and they reached out to say almost like an experiment to find out if we were to give you a little bit of financial support to do something what would you do and so that idea came back into my head like well you know maybe this is the perfect idea to finally make that happen and so you know I reached out to Rocky and we started putting it together and that's how it began so you think you would never have been able to do a project of this nature in terms of the cost without that grant? That's, yeah, I think, I, that's yeah. an amazing story. It's, a, it's really a feel-good story about the arts here in Arizona. Yeah, and then, you know, the interesting thing is, like you said, the demand for vinyl has, has been, you know, really increasing every year lately. And there's only so many factories that can actually press vinyl, though, and, and it's getting outpaced by demand. So... Things were so backed up, it actually took about 18 months. <laughs> We've been waiting on it for a year and a half. Wow. And how many pressings did you make? You know, this is just a limited run of about 300. The poems that are included on this, I'm guessing that you picked from your prior release? Most of them were from the book that just came out at that time. In my mind, it was almost like a, a companion piece to my book, Gravity and Spectacle. But there was one other poem that was not in that book, just because it seemed to fit the project very well. Well, and it's been a minute since we caught up. In fact, the last time we talked was when Gravity and Spectacle was released. If folks have not heard about it, they should check it out. It's such a beautiful compilation of photographs and poetry. Yeah, with that project, it was a local photographer named Gia Oak Baker, who's also an amazing writer as well. That's how we first got to know each other. How many poems are on the flip side, if you will? I guess there's really no side A and side B, though. That's right. It's side and other side. That's how I <laughs> referred to them. So 
I have five poems, you know, so most of them are fairly short. That's why I was able to fit together that many. Yeah. What is the uh, total amount of time that you can fit on a seven inch record? Uh, it, it depends. You can fit quite a bit. Ours happens to be, I think my side is about six minutes long. Well, advice for others. Would you go through the process again? I mean, money notwithstanding. The process was absolutely worth it. You know, even just to be able to collaborate with the people that I was able to collaborate, you know, not only Rocky and, you know, the songs that his band created, but then, you know, Rocky brought in this cover art from an amazing San Francisco artist named John Vokatzer. And then we went to a local record label, Related Records, is who helped us put it all together and make it turn out as great as it did. And then on my side, musician Robbie Cohen really did some amazing work on my tracks, putting that all together. So it was such a great experience to work with so many people that I was a fan of and, you know, that they all brought so much talent to the project. It's just something that we were all very proud of. Shantae O'Ryan, I want to thank you so much for coming back to Word after all this time. It's been great to catch up and congratulations on the new effort with Rocky Ozzy and his band Sweat Lodge. The seven inch vinyl record is called Split. And we're actually going to go out with one of your tracks. This is called Desert Tarot Six Card Spread. Thanks again, Shante. Thank you, Tom. Desert Tarot Six Card Spread. The Sun Puncher. You feel a sense of curiosity and the obligation to fold laundry. Vicarious is the key word here. Any new dalliances in love or career show great hubris, but you're not the type of person to blindly follow vague advice. The Playboy Man Baby. You fear that you have the inclination to karaoke sober and, faced with skepticism, the appearance of the Playboy Man Baby is a lackluster omen of extortion. Time to change your password and snicker. Battered suitcases. Your alienation is being filmed before a live studio audience. You thought it would last forever, but it never ends. Take the long way lost. The Dietrich. Now is the time for babysitting hallucinations. Imperfect to a fault. Don't let passion be strangled by routine. Don't surrender an irrelevant kiss. Your safe word must be case sensitive and contain at least one of the following symbols. No bunny. Creativity is a renewable resource. Your anxieties have been gerrymandered for spiritual paralysis. Twice as empty. Drink coffee and stay up late. Never remove the mask that allows you to become who you already are. The wolves. Curate the experiences that create the memories that create your world. Empty calories are the most fulfilling. Imagine what you will be able to ignore by focusing your apathy on one particular thing. Design the building that would look best 
in the photograph of where it used to be. You can find out a bit more about Shantae Orion and Split on our website, word.kjzz.org. And because it's a limited pressing, the tracks have been released in digital format as well. And now, almost the moment you've been waiting for, we have the winner of the annual KJZZ Haiku Writing Contest. This year's theme, write a poem about something you want to reset in your life. We'll hear from the winner next on Word. It's a podcast about literature in Arizona and the region. I'm Tom Maxidon. KJZZ is your connection to different perspectives. It's still unclear whether or how new lawsuits could spring up to keep the Title 42 in place. I'm sure they all would have preferred to have California be a co-signer of this. KJZZ is the number one news station in the Valley and your source for all the voices in the news. Listen to KJZZ on air, online, and on your phone. You learn a lot from KJZZ. Now show off how smart you are with KJZZ Swag. The online store has t-shirts, hats, backpacks, and more. Take a look at shop.kjzz.org. Welcome back to Word. I'm Tom Maxidon. We received over 300 entries for the annual KJZZ Haiku Writing Contest, and we're now pleased to reveal the randomly selected winner who answered our prompt. We asked you to write a poem about something you wanted to reset in your life. The winner is Jamie Galloway from Santan Valley, and I gave her a quick call last weekend to break the good news. Hello? Hi, this is Tom Maxidon from KJZZ in Phoenix. I'm trying to reach Jamie Galloway. Hi, this is Jamie Galloway. Hi, Jamie. I just wanted to let you know that you are the winner of the KJZZ Haiku Writing Contest. Um, Do you happen to have the poem that you could read for us? You know what? I actually submitted two of them. I okay. thought you could do uh, like one a week or something. So I did two. So I'm not sure which one won. So the haiku that we chose randomly was Dormancy Reset. Oh, okay. I think I just submitted that two days ago. Oh, outstanding. Yeah. There's nothing like coming in under the wire, as it were, right? Yes, yes. <laughs> Dormancy Reset Defrosting a year of ice joints and sunless gloom, sweet gardenias bloom. That's a beautiful poem, and of course our topic was something you wanted to reset in your life. Are you a gardener by chance, and is that something you want to do more of? I am, yes. I have been planting a little garden out in my backyard and just waiting for warmer days so things can start blooming again. And that was the inspiration for the poem. Yeah, absolutely. How long have you been writing poetry, just in general, and specifically haiku? Since I've been a kid, I haven't written any haikus, but I have been writing some poetry here and there. I actually got my MFA up at NAU a few years ago, so I've been writing poetry for about five or six years now, I'd say. That's outstanding. We really appreciate you entering the contest. And how did you hear about the contest? I just heard about it on the radio when I was taking my daughter to school one day. We appreciate you listening to KJZZ in the first place and for entering the contest along with everyone else. Jamie Galloway from Santan Valley, thank you so much for playing along. 
Thank you. Thanks to everyone who participated in the contest and for listening to public radio, as well as original podcasts like Word. If you're not yet a member of KJZZ, please consider all the value you receive from this public radio station and make a donation today. The link for how to do so is on our website, word.kjzz.org, and we thank you. Portions of this program have been nominated for Edward R. Murrow and Public Media Journalists Association Awards. We're off for spring break in March, but we'll return in early April with a fresh episode. I'm Tom Maxidon, and thanks so much for listening. Word. Word? Word. What's the word? Thanks for listening to Word, a podcast about literature in Arizona and the region. You can find all episodes online at word.kjzz.org or wherever you get your podcasts.